Thanks, Emily. So, so this morning we're, we're going to look at a, a story in uh, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 4, uh, verses 35 through 41. Mark 4, 35 through 41. It may or may not be a story familiar to you, but I think we're going to have fun going through it. So, um, before we before we read, and hopefully you've got it with you at home. If not, um, just listen. I'm going to read it in a few minutes, in, uh, or in a minute. And uh, yeah, so before we do that, let's pray. God, we take a moment to uh, to just silence ourselves. And uh, to just breathe a little bit. To breathe deeply. And we ask Holy Spirit that, again, we don't know exactly how it works, but your presence, the way you show up, Somehow you speak to us through these words in this book. Um, so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would calm our anxieties. That you would be with us where we need it. That you would speak a word into our lives. And that somehow, some way, we can emerge out the other end of this thing. And uh, be different, changed, transformed. And uh, we want to look more like you. Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, Mark 4, 35 through 41. Hear these words. <clears throat> that day when evening came. So some things happened throughout the day that I'll talk about in a little bit. Jesus was teaching, and then the very same day he was teaching some things, uh, they decided to get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake. So he said to his disciples, Jesus did, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in a boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We'll go that far. So, here's the deal. Whenever I come across a story like this one in the Bible, I think I find myself, myself in, in the same place that many of you find yourselves. Maybe that's, maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm being a bit presumptuous there or I'm assuming too much, but I, I know that a lot of people find themselves in this place. We just don't 
know what to do with stories like this. They don't know what to do with it. Let's walk through the story real quick. So you've got the disciples. They're in a boat. They're going to the other side of the lake. They're on the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, this fierce storm pops up. It's a storm that is so fierce that waves are crashing over the boat to the point where the disciples think their boat is going to sink and they're going to die. Then we have this whole part in the story where Jesus is sleeping through the whole thing. He's asleep in the stern on a cushion. What? And then there's this whole part where Jesus stands up. And I think he probably raises his hands because that's what you do when you're speaking to wind and waves. I think. I don't know for sure. It's what I probably would do. He stands up and he speaks to the wind and the waves. Who speaks to wind and waves? This is a weird story. Who in the world speaks? And then there's the whole part about how the storm just goes away. Because Jesus told it to go away. On some level, when we hear these stories and stories like them, I think, I think on some level we, we sort of stop listening. Like, not completely. We still listen. But there's a part of us that stops listening because these things don't happen. I mean... They may happen in Bible world, but, but, but they don't happen in, in our world. So part of us, we just sort of stop listening or we start asking questions. Did it really happen that way? Like when they recorded this story, were all the details perfectly? Like that's exactly how it happened? And come on, man, Jesus slept through that? How could anyone sleep through that? They thought they were going to drown. And that's how bad this storm was. Oh, I got it. He was faking it. He wasn't really asleep. Dude just wanted to teach his disciples a thing or two about faith. That's what it was, right? So we don't know what to do with stories like these on some level. But there's a big issue at stake here, and that is this. What's the relationship between the creator and the rest of creation? Right? Can God intervene and disrupt the natural order of things. If that's what we mean when we say that God is sovereign, then why in the world doesn't God do it more than God seems to do it? Why doesn't God intervene? Why doesn't God disrupt the natural order of things? At least you'd think God would be a little bit more consistent about the whole thing. Or did God create things in such a way that the natural laws that govern the universe actually prevent God from intervening? in the natural order of things. God sort of created things and then limited himself in such a way. Those are big, big questions. And it's because of questions like that and many others like them that all sorts of people want to take stories like this and just chuck them. Just, they don't belong in the Bible. Let's just get rid of them, right? There's this dude named Fred Craddock. He was a... Uh, no longer with us, but he was a, a theologian and a professor at Emory University. And he would talk about how when he came across stories like this and he would teach them to his, his students, he noticed that they would sort of glance at each other uh, sideways and they'd kind of snicker. They'd start to make jokes because stories like this, they were like, ah, oh, we don't know what to do with them. We're a little bit too smart for these things. And then, and then he'd sort of confront them. He'd challenge them. He'd say, okay, everybody, let's get ourselves in a big circle. Let's get a big trash bag. 
We're going to take all of the stuff in the Bible that we don't believe anymore, or it's just too fantastic for us to believe. We're going to take all of that stuff, and we're going to make a big pile. It's going to be a big pile. But after we've made that pile, we have to then start asking ourselves the question, what is it that we actually do believe? And then before we take that trash bag out and throw it away, let's take each of those stories out and let's examine them for a little bit and see if there might be some sort of truth in there, some little bit of truth that might be helpful for us, a little bit of truth about about our relationship with each other, about our relationship with the divine and our relationship with the world. And then he'd say something like this, my senses, once we do that, once we pick up those stories and examine them carefully, we're probably going to come to the point where we'll just, we'll put them back in their place, in the Bible, where they belong. So we're going to do that. We're going to pick up this hard, believe, hard to believe it really happened that way story, and we're going to look at it with the curiosity of a child. You know when kids go out in the backyard, and they find a rock, and they pick it up, and they look at it, and they examine it with the kind of curiosity that blows adults' minds, and they're like, this is amazing, and they want to keep them? And we must have a couple of buckets full of rocks still in our garage from when our kids were little and they saw these rocks and they were so curious and found so many amazing things about them that they just had to keep them. It's kind of like that. Let's look at these stories with that kind of curiosity because I think that's what Jesus meant when he said that we were supposed to receive the kingdom of God like a child. Receive the, the kingdom of God like, like a child who has the, the kind of curiosity that there are things out there in the world that maybe we haven't seen yet, or there are things behind the things that we see in the world, or there are, there are ways of doing things that we haven't been exposed to or, or thought about yet. So let's pick up this story, and let's just notice some things. See if it might have an effect on our lives. Maybe in a little way, maybe in some profound way, I don't know. So let's notice some things. The first thing I want us to notice is the obvious. Like, it's staring us in the face. You can't miss it. Uh, it's, it's the storm. I mean, this wasn't just a little storm. This was a big, honking storm. So the Sea of Galilee uh, was surrounded on all sides by mountains. So when storms rolled in, they did so fiercely and unexpectedly. It's like you didn't see that coming. All of a sudden, there was a storm. And that's the way that Mark sort of tells the story. In fact... He tells his whole story about Jesus with a sense of urgency and fast pace, and it's just crazy. He says, a furious squall came up, and waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Now talk about an economy of words. He just said a lot there in a little bit of time. A furious squall, waves broke over, it was nearly swamped. So we're talking about a big old honking storm. Kind of feels like we're in a storm right now. Doesn't it? I mean, we sort of kind of saw this coronavirus thing coming. You know, it was really far away. And then it kept creeping closer and closer and closer and 
all of a sudden it's here. And not many of us knew it was going to be a storm that was this big. And it's almost like it's a hurricane. That when it makes landfall, it spawns all sorts of little tornadoes within the hurricane itself. You knew hurricanes did that, right? That's kind of how I feel like this thing is. Like you've got the big, huge honking storm that's this coronavirus thing and it's bearing down on us and none of us wants to get sick. And so we're doing everything we can. We don't know exactly what to do. But then there are all these other little storms that are being produced in our lives. Some of us are being laid off. And we can't work. And that really stinks. Some of us are seeing our hours at work. They're being reduced. Some of us have a reduction in salary so that at the end of this thing, whenever the end of this thing is going to be, we don't lose our jobs altogether. It feels like our savings are being flushed down the toilet. I'm not going to check, and I advise you not to look at that just yet. Just wait. It feels weird. Just doing normal things. Like, we need groceries, and we go to the grocery store where we feel like we're putting our lives at risk. Right? Since we're all spending so much time at home in confined spaces, some of us are trying to do work at home and we got kids at home and it's, it's crazy and it's difficult. We're in a confined space and we get on each other's nerves and we bump heads and we argue and parents' heads are exploding all over the place. It's really hard. The news, Twitter, Facebook are all kind of crazy right now because the only thing anybody can talk about is this stinking storm. And it's frustrating and infuriating, and it's kind of scary. This thing affects every aspect of our lives. Renee and I talk about it when we're at home. Emily and I were talking about it just this last week, that you can't do anything without thinking about this stinking virus. It's a big, huge storm, and it's making us realize that we don't have as much control over our lives as we'd like to think we have. So let's just acknowledge that. We know how the disciples felt. We know where they were at. We experienced storms. We're in the middle of a big one right now. That's the first thing let's notice. Let's notice another thing. And again, this is an obvious thing. Staring at us in this story. Some of you are at home sitting on your couch thinking, great, we got Captain Obvious for a preacher today. Sometimes we need obvious things spoken into our lives. I did. Maybe you do too. But the next thing let's notice is they're just afraid. The disciples are flat out scared. That's the next thing we notice. We notice we notice the fear. It's the sort of primal fear that we all know and we all love to hate. It's like the fear of snakes and spiders and bears and earthquakes and tornadoes and bats and, and viruses. This is what storms do. They cause us to realize that we don't have control. And when we don't have control, we're afraid. We're scared. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? These dudes are afraid. 
And in response, Jesus stands up calmly and he talks to the wind and the waves. And he says, quiet, be still. And the wind dies down and everything was completely calm. And then he goes to his disciples and he looks them each in the eye, maybe one at a time. And he says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? I have to be honest, when I get to this part of this story and I get to that question, I get a little fired up. And I start thinking to myself, whoa, duh, Jesus. Like, you might have been asleep and you missed the whole thing, but there's a big honking storm. Like, waves are crashing over. They're in danger of drowning. Of course they're afraid. Why wouldn't they be afraid? Who wouldn't be afraid? I think you need to cut them some slack, Jesus. You, more than anyone else in the entire universe, ought to understand that this is just a normal response. That this is a normal thing for them to be afraid. God created us with this real emotion that we call fear, and it's normal, and it's natural. It's in our DNA. And sometimes fear can be healthy and productive. Sometimes fear can cause us to move in a different direction, in the right direction. Sometimes it can cause us to, to take steps that keep ourselves and our family and our loved ones all safe and sound and healthy and whole. Why don't you just lay off them a little bit, Jesus? I get a little upset. And then, and then Jesus says to me, well, it didn't exactly happen. It's not like he shows up like a force ghost and he's like, hey, Aaron, that's not how it goes. But he sort of says to me, I don't know, in some sense of intuition, he kind of leans in and he's like, what if there's more going on here than that? And I'm like, okay. What if there is more going on here? What if Jesus' question why are you so afraid? What if that question has nothing to do with the wind and the waves and the storm? What if that question, why are you so afraid? What if it has to do with their relationship with him instead? Because notice where their fear takes them. Like, I think they have every right to be afraid of the storm. I think they have every right to be afraid of the wind and the waves, just like we have every right, and it's natural and normal, to be afraid of this big storm and all the little storms that are spawned by it. I think we have every right to be afraid, just like they had every right to be afraid. But maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the problem is their fear didn't lead them into trusting and leaning on him a little bit harder. Because look at what the fear does. Their fear leads them straight to suspicion, 
accusation and distrust. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're afraid. They're afraid that Jesus doesn't care. It's at that point where you can sort of feel this story humming a little bit. Like it's vibrating because we've been there. Because we know what that's like. Because we've asked that question. We've been there many times. Like this coronavirus thing is so big and it just seems to be getting worse. And everybody's telling us that it's just going to keep getting worse before it gets any better. Why doesn't God intervene and do something about it? Doesn't God care? We've been there. Maybe we're there today, right now. Why doesn't God intervene and do something about this stinking thing? I don't have an answer for you on that one. And I'm not sure you'll find one in here either. Why doesn't God intervene? I don't know. Doesn't God care? Well, the Bible has something to say about that. The Bible has a whole lot to say about that. God cares. God cares deeply. Of course God cares. We know that God cares. Psalm 121 again. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Here's the interesting thing about Mark's Jesus story, I think. So, I alluded to it before, but right before this story, this big dramatic thing that Jesus does, Jesus is teaching. And he's talking all about how the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom of God is small tiny, secretive. It's subversive. It's subterranean. It's underneath the surface. It's like, it's like a tiny little mustard seed. It's the tiniest of all your seeds. It's almost invisible. Right? It's like a, a sower who's throwing seeds, planting seeds in the ground. Some of those seeds are so weak and so vulnerable that some of them get eaten by birds and others get choked out by, by weeds. So he talks about how the power of the kingdom of God is so, is underneath the surface. It's small, it's subtle. You can barely see it, but you can. You can find it if you're looking, if you're watching. It's there. And then the next story, right after he teaches that, Jesus shows the power of the kingdom in this big dramatic way. And he calms this storm. And then the very next thing he does is he heals this person who's who's possessed by a demon. And then he raises this girl seemingly from the dead and he heals this woman. And then he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And it's big and it's bold and it's dramatic. And you're like, wait, what? You were just talking about the power of the kingdom in these small ways. And then you've got these big, huge, dramatic things. What are you trying to tell us, Mark? You put these stories like this in order for a reason. What's going on here? I think it might be this. To trust in Jesus, to trust in the power of the divine, is to sort of hold those two things in balance. 
Sure, sometimes the divine shows up in big, bold, dramatic, crazy, fantastic ways. And some of us have stories about that. And it's not wrong for us to hope for that. It's not wrong for us to wish for that. It's not wrong for us to, to pray for that. But in other times, though, we need, we need to trust that the, that the quiet presence, seemingly sleeping, hidden presence of the divine in our lives is enough for the circumstances that we face. Jesus is in the boat with us in the storm. So maybe, maybe it's good for us to just take our eyes off the wind and the waves for a while. Just try it. I did it a couple, I did it about a week and a half ago. I took my eyes off all the news. I didn't look at Twitter, I didn't look at Facebook, and I can't tell you how much life that just gave me. The best experts are telling us to, to check the news once or twice a day and never before you go to bed because you'll have bad dreams. Renee and I tested it out. It's true. Don't watch the news before bed. Check it once, twice a day. Let's take our eyes off the wind and the waves for a while and dive into the presence of the divine. Lean into all of the ways in which the divine is taking care of us right here, right now. Take a break from it all. Go outside and take a walk. God has given us this big, beautiful, bold creation to enjoy. Breathe in some fresh air. Take a walk. Practice social distancing. Be smart about it. But go take a walk. Pray for the homes in your neighborhood quietly as you pass them by, or maybe in the parking lot at the apartment complex where you live. Just pray for the people in your building. Connect with the divine outside in some way. Just take a walk. Take a break. Dive into a book. You can still read. You can get books online. Read. God has given us so many beautiful, talented people who've written so many amazing books and novels and stories. Dive into those things. Read them. Soak it in. Take a break from the wind and the waves for a while. Lean into the grace that is a good book. If you're a puzzler, put a puzzle together. Like bake some cookies. If you've never baked cookies, now's the time to learn. Especially if you've got all the ingredients, you don't have to risk your life going to the store. Bake some cookies. We got some really amazing things doing people doing really amazing things just in our own neighborhood. Listen to this. We've got people that we're connected to in our neighborhood through school and friends of ours, and they're just really freaking incredible people and they're putting things together for families to do outside practicing social distancing mind you but they put together this thing where where they can still learn spanish and they're going out on on these little scavenger hunts and they're making videos and sending them to one another speaking in spanish it's, it's just amazing uh, 
Renee and the boys put together a, a scavenger hunt for a bunch of people in our, in our neighborhood where our neighborhood streets are all named after famous authors. So they, put a, so they put a scavenger hunt together where they did little trivia questions. And when they got the author's name right, they would go and take a picture next to the sign and they'd text it. And Samuel would text them the next clue. And they had them traipsing all over the neighborhood. It was a great way for people to get out. Today, we're going to go out and we're going to do a circuit training in people's driveways where we have to go to different houses in our neighborhoods and there's going to be something there. We have to do like push-ups and sit-ups and lunges and all those things we hate but are really good for us. And we're going to go out and we're going to, you know what all those things are? All of those things. Those are tiny little manifestations of the kingdom of God. All of them. They're all grace. We don't give God enough credit for what God does in this world. Like, things don't have to come with the church's stamp on it for it to come from God. God works in all kinds of, if it's grace, it's from God. If it's love, it's from God. God does all sorts of amazing things. All of those things are a manifestation of the kingdom. And there are all sorts of other little ways in your life and in my life. Lean hard into those. I think those are the ways in which we sort of show our faith in the presence of Jesus. So if you're afraid, it's fine. It's okay. It's normal. It's natural. I talk a lot about how we're not supposed to be afraid, but I don't want you to get the wrong idea. You know, one of God's favorite things to say in the Bible is, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not be afraid. And most of that's because we're afraid of so many things we don't need to be afraid of. Like the other. We don't need to be afraid of the other. People who are different from us, people who challenge our way of thinking, people who think different things about how to be in this world and how we ought to operate in this world. We don't have to be afraid of each other. We get in all sorts of troubles because we're just afraid of each other. Don't be afraid of each other. But this thing, this thing, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay. But don't let that fear turn into distrust. God cares. God cares so deeply. And there are all sorts of little manifestations of the kingdom of God and the grace of God and the love of God all around us if we're looking for it. So look for those. Lean into those. And maybe as you do, you'll realize that the divine is in the boat with us. And we're going to be okay. Let's pray. God, thank you for, for these stories, for all the ways in which you show up in our lives, even ways that are unexpected and we're not, we don't recognize them as you. But we know that you, you work in so many different ways. And there's no gatekeeper to the presence of God. There's no... Like things don't have to come through a church in order, to, in order for it to be with you. You show up in all kinds of different ways through all kinds of different people. So we pray, oh God, that we would lean into those things. Pray that you would calm our fears. Pray that we would be able to sense your presence in our lives at all times and at all places. In Jesus' name, amen.